Welcome to the Peak IDB Executive Series video podcast, where I speak with executives, leaders, founders, and change makers in the digital identity space. I'm your host, Steve Craig, founder and chief enablement officer at Peak IDB. For our audience, this is a video first series. So if you're enjoying this audio version, please check out the video recording on executiveseries.peakidb.com, where you can watch the full episode, read through the transcript, and access any of the resources from today's conversation. I'm very pleased to present this special edition of Executive Series announcing Engage PSG Search as the season two sponsor. Today, I'm speaking with Engage's CEO, Kevin Cruikshank. Kevin has worked in the reg tech industry for over 30 years and leads a team of specialists in executive search, go-to-market, sales, marketing, product search, working specifically for digital identity, identity verification, transaction monitoring, fraud, and authentication companies. Kevin has been tremendously supportive of me and Peak IDV, and the team at Engage even helped place me as a candidate in my career where, where I was um, placed into one of the identity verification companies. Kevin's team was also one of the first teams in my Peak IDV bootcamp, and now I'm super excited to have them sponsor the podcast. Welcome, Kevin. I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, great to be here. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Well, if, if we can kick off, maybe you can share a little bit more about Engage PSG Search. Yeah, so uh, yeah, with pleasure. So, so I'm the CEO of uh, Engage PSG Search. We uh, are a boutique search firm that uh, specializes, as you said, in uh, in very very tight sectors. We don't just do digital identity and fraud and authentication. We also transcend over to the uh, data and insights side. And that's, uh, that all goes back to, uh, to, to, to leveraging my, my own personal background, which I'm sure we'll go, we'll go into in a bit, uh, bit more detail. But fundamentally, we work on uh, go-to-market hiring, that's sales, marketing, product, and the executive leadership teams that, uh, that would over would oversee those uh, those those kind of areas and uh, we uh, operate um uh, as you know in the us uk serving emir uh and also uh, we have a, a presence in sydney covering covering the apac the apac region excellent excellent that's great background on, and engage when i was studying your personal background prior to the podcast i see you got started at dnb back in the early 90s can can you take me back to like 1995 when you were uh, working there and what you were working on? I can, I can. I'm glad you missed out the, uh, the first nine years because I actually started at DMV in 1984. Um, oh, wow. Uh, that's, uh, that's how old I am. But, uh, but 95 is a good, um, a good, a good time because, uh, because at, that, at that moment, I was leading a sales team for DMV. I was managing the banking and financial services team. So it's quite relevant for this, uh, this kind of audience that may, that may see this in that, uh, you know, I've been kind of in and around the risk and compliance space before um, digital identity uh, um, or technologies that supported onboarding ever existed. So I used to work with the uh, uh, the compliance teams, uh, the money laundering reporting officers, way back, looking at their counterparty risk, looking at their customers from a from a very early anti money laundering KYC uh, kind of kind of perspective. So it's kind of um, been something I've been involved in. Even before a lot of the uh, digital identity companies actually uh, uh, were formed, that's fascinating. You know, a lot, a lot of the companies today focus on that digital experience, but these regulations and these processes have, have existed even back 
when physical was the only way to do these transactions. When did you make the transition, Kevin, into the recruitment and search and placement space? Was that connected to DMB? No, it wasn't. Um, I mean, the the the, uh, the 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 first inspiration for it was uh, was was my uh, my best pal from school actually uh, set up a a recruitment business as it was then, um, and uh, I got to the part, part, point in my career at DMB where I, I I didn't want to become a corporate lifer, you know. Um, and you, know, you find a, if you look at the look at the big the big sort of data bureaus, the credit bureaus, a lot of people are and there's nothing wrong with this, but a lot of people are there for life. You know, they 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 start in a junior position and kind of work their way through, but they just they just stay there. I hit thirty. I didn't really want to be like be like that. I wanted to do something a bit different. So I actually left DMB and went to a technology business, uh, technology and telco business called Cable and Wireless, and I ran a couple of big. Uh, large team large teams for for them after a couple of years i wasn't really enjoying that space and uh my 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 pal said to me look you'd be fantastic at search um you know you've got the personality for it um you've got the sales ability you've got the structure the process and so i gave it a go and what, what i actually did start off with i set up on my own i set up a small business on my own made one placement um and the one placement was with a company called uh, vocalis i will mention it because they're not around anymore but Believe it or not, they were a voice recognition company. So, um, so even right back then, I had this uh, this sort of connection into 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 the sort of biometric uh, biometric space. Um, but I I, I joined uh, John, uh, my, my business partner at the time. Uh, we built up uh, uh, a business which is still around now. They're called Compello Staffing Group, um, and then uh, we built that to 160 odd people. Um, so it was a it was a it was a recruitment business of some scale in the UK. Probably one of the one of the top, one of the five top privately owned recruitment companies outside of the very big the very big organisations. And basically, I did an MBO from from part of part of that business um, in 2019. And uh, and so the business that you see now are the very top people that I had in the engaged brand that was sitting within a larger group at that time. Um, and I and I picked them up, and the, and the 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 idea was to was to have some real speciality within uh, within some very some very tight tight sort of areas. That's a that's great history. I, I didn't realize that a journey that you were on. Let's talk a little bit more about Engage PSG Search as it is today. How is the company set up and structured? You mentioned your locations, but can you describe how you operate? Yeah, so we so we've uh, we recognise that um, the 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 whole regulatory technology kind of area, the regulatory space um, transcends geographies. So so we we deli- very deliberately set up our business in in such a way that we could have reach across the globe. Um, now I was in a, a fortunate situation where I had a um, a, a London based guy that wanted to go and work in the US. Um, you know. Um, I, I wanted, uh, I, 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 we also had a London based guy that wanted to go to Australia. So we effectively, what we did was we set up a couple of entities. So we have a, a US entity, we have an Australian entity and we have a UK entity, which is, the, which is the main sort of pair of business, you know, quite a complex structure for a, for a relatively small, small business, but it's just the way that you have to set things up. And, um, and so we've now got, um, seven years experience of actually, uh, uh, doing US business, although we did the MBO in 2019, we actually uh, uh, started started trading in the US way before that. 
Um, so our network is not new. Uh, so it's very well, very well established, very mature, um, as is our, our client base. And similarly, we've been in the APAP markets for four years. Um, so all the clients that we tend to deal with, fast growth, series A, B type businesses, and, and some of the more established, uh, established businesses that everybody would be, uh, would be aware of as well. Um, they all have that desire to, 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 to work in and operate in different areas. So, so, uh, so we, we wanted to make sure we had that, uh, that coverage and also go where, where some of the, some of the opportunity is. Um, and the, what the way I describe my business is, is very mature. So we got, so we got, uh, I was looking at, looking before we, uh, jumped on this uh, to see what the average tenure is of the, the people that work for me. And it's eight years. And that's very unusual in, in, in a lot of businesses. And that's because I've hired people that I knew from the old business. We have hired some additional people in as well, particularly in the, U, in the US. But we've always hired people with expertise and a good, and a good network. Um, and that's mainly because we, we, uh, we know that the market needs, needs the expertise. It doesn't need generalist recruitment businesses uh, you know, we, we, we have to, we have to be specialists, um, because we need to be able to source the kind of people that our clients can't do directly. Um, and, uh, and sometimes that takes, uh, that takes that sort of deep, uh, deep sort of expertise. So, so we've got a team of about 12 people right now. Um, and, uh, they're, they're kind of split, um, mainly London, uh, UK from London and LA. Um, we've got a team, team of, uh, team of people in LA. And then we've got that small presence in, uh, in, in APAC, um, which has been, been really good for us because the clients also look for that end to end type, uh, type provider that can, that can, that can recruit those same roles in those different, uh, different regions. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I've personally seen firsthand your team and not to over flatter you, you have a phenomenal group of people who are not just experienced, but experts and still hungry. And one of the things that w was really great in this last year was your team participated in one of my first training programs. So I, I thank you for your support of, of me and of education. Uh, but one of the things that was really exciting about that is your, your team members were passionate about it. Um, they really wanted to learn more to be able to support not just their clients, but candidates. Can you uh, speak to, to how you see that? continual evolution of expertise playing into your work with your clients and your candidates, how, how that becomes important to your model. Definitely. Definitely. There's a couple of things I'll say, you know, and, and, and I want to, you know, I point this at you, Steve, right? It takes a lot of guts to set up your own, your own business and, uh, and, uh, do something from scratch. So I, I, I've said to you privately, you know, I admire the entrepreneurship, you know, having, having the guts to actually step out of corporate and do it. I've been on that journey. You know, I was, I was, I was 15 years in the corporate world. I threw all that away to, to, to get into, get into the search game. And, uh, I've, I've, re I've really enjoyed it. So first of all, when we heard that you, that you'd set this up, um, we wanted to be, you know, there supporting, supporting you because I, because I, you know, admire any, any entrepreneur. So, so that's, 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 that's point one. Um, secondly, expertise is is everything for us um so uh, another example going back to the structure um our chair the chair of our group is uh, somebody that i've known for known for many years we used to work together at dmv but more importantly he was the group managing director uh, of uh, of gbg who acquired accuant and ideology to, to give to give some context for anybody that doesn't, doesn't actually know who gbg are 
Um, and then he, uh, he founded uh, and sold uh, True Narrative to LexisNexis Risk Solutions. That's, uh, that's a, guy, a, guy called, uh, a guy called John Lord. So that we, we brought John in to give us that expertise in-house. Um, and we, we used the Peak IDV process to also give the people that are working in the teams that are attached to the digital identity and regulatory technology space, that depth of understanding. Because our, our view is when you're talking to clients, if they think we really know their sector and we really get it, they actually admire the, the, the knowledge that we, that we tend to have. Secondly, the candidates, and this is really key. Um, when you want to try and attract candidates to, to sometimes un, what I would call an underdog brand, somebody that's you know, in a market where perhaps they, they don't really know who that company is. They want to talk to somebody uh, in, in the search game that actually knows the landscape and can tell those candidates how well those companies stack up. You know, because we know the market very well, we know all the different technologies. Um, we know what uh, we know what uh, um, platforms perform the best and, and are the most effective. We know who white label other people's other people's tech. Um, we know the, the organisations that have got their own. The fact that we've got all that knowledge and expertise um, makes it makes it a lot easier to have that instant credibility with the with with the, with the candidate base. The benefit to the clients is that that means we can attract people that otherwise ordinarily might not be be uh, be able to be attracted. You know so. So that that's a key. That's really a key a key thing. And um, having this additional additional sort of training and qualification um, was was excellent. I also did it because I want my team to know that I'm investing in them. And uh, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they scored. They all scored pretty well because they had they all had uh, they all pretty good knowledge base base level knowledge anyway. But what what Peak IDV did was uh, was it was it made it much more specific. And uh, you know, you went into lots of the technical terms and. I think everybody benefited really well out of that. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. Very high marks, uh, several perfect scores in there. Really put it, they put in the effort, because yeah, they're, they're showing up, but then there's also really taking the content and um, putting in the effort for the final exam. So I really appreciated that. And to be able to take those and apply them, the, the one thing you and I had talked about was, was KYC, but, but for candidates, know your candidate, because if you're going to place them in an organization, you should know how to walk in their shoes and you should know what they're, they're yeah. up against in terms of the market dynamic, et cetera. So that's, that's phenomenal. I couldn't agree more. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, the geographies you're in. You mentioned you, you have offices in London, uh, Los Angeles, uh, Sydney. It gives you really good global coverage, uh, Europe, America's APAC. What are some of the differences that you're seeing when it comes to building out teams and, and like personnel in those different regions? Yeah, I think this um, it is obviously it's a challenge for me uh, being mainly based in London. I do spend a lot of time in uh, in, in the US as well, though, um, and I've been out to about to, been out to Australia several times. But if I talk about it from from um, the 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 digital identity provider perspective, you know, um, I, I I would say that um, as a recruiter, uh, search firms are much more respected in the US. Um, I think a lot of that comes from uh, perhaps the, the labor laws, you know, so, so if, for, for example, if I had hunted you, Steve, and, uh, and said, I've got a great role for you, um, uh, it's with this, this, this particular business, and I asked you for your resume, you'd have your resume ready. Uh, in the UK, that doesn't tend to happen because, because most people are on much longer notice periods. 
So some of the differences around the fluidity of the, of the search market center around the, the, the need for search firms um, being equal with the clients and the candidates. So candidates in the US, we, we think, uh, we feel, tend to respect uh, somebody in a search capacity more than, uh, than perhaps in the UK. And I think that's because one of the differences in the UK is there are a lot, there are a lot of these kind of mass market um, global type type uh, recruitment businesses uh, that 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 do everything. They do a bit of everything, and and they don't necessarily have the the same expertise and approach that we have. Um, and uh, you know, we we often hear from candidates, uh, particularly that uh, that their their experience with us is is very different. But that's because we know that we know the differences in each of the geographies. You know, and and having a one week two week at will contract in the States is very different to having a three month or even a six month notice period. You know, in Germany, they have this very strange notice period, which is two months, but you can resign at certain parts of the month and make that just one month and one day. Because the idiosyncrasy is that if you, if you resign at the beginning of the month, you have to work the rest of that month and the whole of the following month. Um, so having that knowledge and, and, and knowing that make means that means that, uh, uh, it, it creates a bit of an edge for us, um, uh, you know, having that, having that expertise, you have to, you, you have to have that. Um, but the main, main parts are, uh, around volumes. So, um, I've said the volumes would be a lot greater in the, in the, in the U S you know, so for every two to three vacancies that you might have in a certain, uh, uh, discipline in, in the UK, you've probably got 15 or 20 vacancies of the same. Uh, in the US, just because of the sheer size and sh sheer size and scale. So when you're running a search firm, um, the, the, the sales cycle can be a lot shorter in, 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 the, uh, in the US, longer in the UK, longer in some parts of, some parts of Europe. There are definitely some, uh, some, some key differences, but fundamentally the, uh, uh, the headhunting approach um, and the management of candidates and the client relationship building and really getting under the, under the hood of, uh, of our clients and understanding, understanding their own DNA is the same, no matter what the geography is. Um, uh, you just might have to adapt your approach slightly to, to some of the cultural differences, um, uh, in each of the, each of those regions. But, uh, but I fundamentally, I really, I really enjoy it because what we're doing is we're taking our expertise in us in, in specific sectors to those, to those different geographies. So, so we have the, we have the expertise regardless of the geography, uh, if that makes sense. It does, it does. And as you were describing those, those differences um, and the similarities, I was thinking about the consultative approach because I imagine there are CEOs that might be US-based that are growing globally and they see a candidate and they, they have great interviews and they wanna hire them and you tell them, great, okay, they'll start in three months. And three months, like, wait, they're so used to the US where they, they can give two week notice and they're gonna start. Um, so I imagine you've, you've had lots of um, really good conversations about how you scale and how you plan these roles and uh, the timeline. Yeah, and, and and you and you you know what we what we tend to do. Um, you know, we we like to think we've got a, a bit of advisory in in what we do. So 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 when we're working on a, a project or an assignment, we will always start with the end in mind and ask the client when they would like that person in 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 position in role, and then we'll take the steps back from there. Um, and, um, and then we'll factor in all of the elements such as notice periods. And, uh, you'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll be, you'll be surprised, uh, how many customers just don't understand, particularly us ones, you know, three months notice, 
Well, three months notice plus the two months it might take to sort to actually identify and source and interview the candidates, you could be looking at five or six months. So, so, you know, one of the things that I always say to say to the clients is that if you, you know, if you want, if you're thinking about next year's hiring, um, you need to start sourcing now, you know, you need to start the source. But of course we were having these conversations three months ago. Um, and, uh, we did see a lot of our, a lot of our, our customers starting to come out of the woodwork a little bit and, uh, uh, and be aware of that because they've all got budgets and, and targets to hit from, from Jan 1st. Well, if you leave it until January to start looking for the people, well, you could be, you could be three, four, five, six months down the line, depending on the geography before that person, uh, starts, let alone starts producing. Well, you're, you're in a very unique position in that you see a lot of different scaling uh, cycles at different companies and different stages. Uh, it's almost as if based on what we were just discussing, you need to start recruiting prior to closing your next funding round. You don't close it and then start. Uh, and there are companies that I know are working on fresh investment. We've seen in the last uh, quarter, some companies that pulled in more money. What are you saying coming up in 2024? Or like, what are the, um, the, the beginnings of, of this year ahead? Yeah. So, you know, reflecting on that, you know, I, 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 I can't help but repeat my, repeat my journey, the journey the last the last sort of four years you know when i think about the moment that we that we uh uh decided that we were going to uh, split off from this this group that we were in and the comfort and security of the group um to do the mbo with uh with with engage um that was september 2019 um and in september 2019 uh we we started off on a journey and then march 2020 it covid hit um, and, uh, as soon as COVID hit, we thought, well, this is going to, this is going to really, really kill the business. You know, this, this could really have a massive impact. And for a month, everything went a bit quiet. Um, but if you think about it, um, everyone then went online. So there were more transactions happening online. People were moving their bank accounts around because they suddenly had time to, to think about where they were, where they were putting their money and, and, and therefore more accounts were being opened, more onboarding was happening. And so, so what we what we what we saw in twenty one and twenty two was a lot of investment, uh, huge PE uh, and VC investment within the digital identity space. Um, we all saw it, high valuations, uh, uh, you know, huge hiring levels, unicorns popping up left and kind of left left right and center. And then last year there was there was a, a kind of stalling of that process, you know, with with much more difficult to get the funding. So we saw last year as a bit of a sort of holding period, uh, almost, almost a period where, uh, where, where the, the investors had said, well, you're going to have to have a long runway to, to, to your next, to your next round of funding. Uh, so you need to make your money last and, and you need to have a look at your roster and, and, and have you got the people that are, that are really going to, going to perform, um, and take you where you need to be. And so 2024, we believe that what's happened in 23 is there's been a bit of right sizing of, uh, of, of some organizations. Also, um, there's been definitely a rationalization of salaries. Salaries were kind of out of control. So we've now got uh, a market that is, uh, is probably full of organizations that are maybe valued at, the, at a more realistic level, but they've, they've, they've laid a lot of people off and they've got some gaps. Um, and, uh, and so, so what, we, what we're finding at the moment is that... Uh, 2024, I think, is going to be about rebuilding those teams and building those teams back up again. Um, I, we're seeing a lot more optimism. 
as you mentioned, there have been quite a number of investments uh, announced. Um, I think some of those investments may have been uh, pipelined quite a long time ago, but but they but they but they but they've done the deals at the right time. And a lot of organisations also have been sitting on funding as well. They've had funding and they've sat on it longer than they would have would have done normally. Um, so we we think there's going to be growth this year. There will be some consolidation. Some companies are going to disappear. Um, there's no doubt about that as well. Uh, sadly. But we're, we're also seeing some new technologies, new, new, uh, new use cases. And so therefore new organizations coming, coming to, to the, to the fore that are going to need help scaling as well. And you mentioned the point about, uh, about the hiring piece, you know, what we, what we tend to find is that the last couple of years is all about scale, get, get as many people on the ground, get as many sales, sales guys on the ground, seizing that market share. A lot of the, a lot of the hiring needs at the moment are, are centered around the boardroom. Um, so. Have you got the right the right people uh, in the boardroom um, to take the company to that you know hundred million um, you know in revenue or three times three x uh, you know uh, growth per annum, which is what the PE and VC firms look for. Um, and uh, so so hopefully we're, we're, we've got uh, some optimism in the market. Put it that way. That's great. And will that correction? has occurred and, and just seeing how the end of 2023 was looking. Um, when you look at the different types of companies from a funding level, Series A, Series B, Series C, are there different patterns or modes? Like, do you, ha do you have any um, observations you could share? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think when you when you've got those seed seed Series A type businesses, um, you know what what candidates tell us is they're they're the fun ones, right? That's the that's the fun period when 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 companies are at Series A and, and B. From our perspective, um, what you tend to find is that is that when they're very early stage, um, they're quite product led, engineering led, um, and uh, uh, therefore therefore most of the roles. Um, are not necessarily in the go-to-market type type area. So, so when they start moving through those those various stages, seeking and uh, securing different levels of funding, obviously there are uh, numbers that the, these organisations have to uh, have to achieve in order to in order to satisfy the investors. And uh, so that's when the growth growth comes in. So you see um, some different uh, behaviours at the front end. So. Uh, Series A, sometimes organizations are trying to find their way there, but they, they, they maybe start to go for that scale. Maybe they hire the wrong people um, initially, um, and they have to swap some of those, swap some of those out. out. And uh, um, what we find from a recruitment perspective, um, a search perspective, is that the in-house team, the internal talent teams, tend to be less mature, um, if, if, if they're even there at all. Um, so... There's a there's a real need for uh, external support in that in that early stage. Um, then you find that um, uh, they 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 build their own in-house team, and then that's when we're still used because you still need specialists because there are crunch times. There are times when you you don't have the capacity to to uh, uh, to be able to uh, to hire uh, volume, or maybe uh, it could be that there's a discrete search that's needed because you're replacing somebody. Um, as you get through the the sort of B and then through to sort of C D and their IPO IPO type type uh, uh, stages, you tend to find it's more business as usual. So a uh, bit more corporate and uh, perhaps a bit more bit more governance around uh, around what's being uh, what's being done as well. And uh, 
um, yeah, we we enjoy that those those kind of early early stage businesses because often they're bringing in fresh technology as well, um, which which excites us because we you know we're genuinely passionate about the market, not just about finding great sales guys or or product guys or marketing guys. We we you know we really love the we really love the sector that we're in as well. So so, so yeah, there there are definitely definitely some differences, some key some key differences. Some some obvious, some some not so obvious. It's a great observation. I think as you were um, describing the differences about my own career, when I've worked for very large companies, for example, I worked for Hewlett Packard, and that recruitment experience was very general. Like the person who was recruiting me knew nothing about the role that I was going to take on. They, they were just guiding the process. But then companies that were more early stage, it felt like every single person I spoke with had deep understanding of the role. They knew the space. And, and so the earlier stage, you need that. Um, and oddly enough, I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. Uh, I saw a quote in there that really resonated with me. I'll, I'll read it and I want to get your reaction to it. And the quote says, to be a success in recruitment in the modern era, you have to be able to offer customers deep sector expertise. There is no room for generalist recruiters who do not know what great looks like. I couldn't agree more. Um, when you're in an early stage role and you're looking at a generalist recruiter, like what could happen if you leverage one of those versus someone who has... A, spe a specialist expertise. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it goes back to back to you know knowing what good looks like. So, 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 so the way the way we the way we try and uh, uh, explain our our difference to to, uh, to to the clients is that we actually know what a good person looks like across the disciplines that we that we that we serve um, within the digital identity space. Um, and um, the reason we stay narrow with our focus uh, in go to market. Is because when you are too generalist, you're basically just a just another in-house talent person, right? So, so um, the 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 real the real key when you're trying to recruit a salesperson is you need to have that uh, that 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 sort of expertise. If you've got somebody that's that's managing roles that are outside of uh, uh, the sort of core disciplines and they're too general, you're then into the in-house teams where they've they've got. 50 roles they need to recruit and, you know, five of them are solutions consultants and six of them are sales and some of them are products. And where's the, where's the expertise there? And this is where I think, um, and this is not aimed at the internal recruitment team, but this is where external generalist recruiters get a bit lazy because, because they, they, first of all, they, uh, uh, they, they, they know that they are generalist. They may not have to hire that role again. So they don't keep the maps going that we do. Um, so we constantly map the market. We know who the movers and shakers are. We we hear about we hear about things before other people do. That it goes for the for the the sort of pulling out of uh, tough markets as well. You know that we we uh, we we tend to find that as we specialize and we're not generalist, we can we can speak to the market and give them some confidence, um, or we can we can get into the pity party with them as well and understand what they're going through at that, at that particular time. And that, that does make a, that does make a big, a big difference. You know, if, if, uh, if somebody has got a great network and a great understanding external, uh, use by the internal talent teams will happen. And, um, we realized years ago that, uh, that you, there's no point in competing with internal teams, um, who tend to be by nature, quite generalist. Um, we have to work with them. And uh, and understand that you're not going to get all the hiring. You're going to get part of it. And the part that you want is that is the area where they can leave it to us 
they know they they can leave that to us because we've got the expertise and and that's that's really where that uh you know where that comment comment comes from yeah i couldn't agree with it more and um as i've been on both sides of uh hiring and being a candidate like having a partner really understand your space uh whether you be the, the candidate getting hired or being the company hiring is is very important um, you've given a lot of uh, advice and, and, and tips as, as we've had this conversation, but I'm curious if you have any um, additional notes for CEOs and go-to-market leaders who often are the audience of this podcast and many times the guests about scaling and growing their teams. I, a couple bullets around that. Yeah, I would say, I would, I would say the 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 uh, the key thing I always think is is be be open. You know, I, I think back to my days at DMB, um, so. I'm going to show my age a little bit here, but I've already given the, the date I started. But, but you know, when I was working at DMB, there wasn't any LinkedIn. Um, so that didn't exist. You couldn't source your own candidates. It was very difficult. So you always had to have an open mind when it came to, uh, to talent coming to you. Um, and what we tend to find is that the successful businesses are, the, are those that are, that are open to receiving a resume of a candidate that's on the market, even when they haven't got a vacancy. Um, because so many, so many CEOs, believe it or not, but just won't, just won't entertain, uh, that, uh, that rock star that you found, um, they, you know, you, you highlight, you highlight it to them and you get, and you get the block of we're not hiring at the moment, but what about in six months time? And do you really want that hire to go to, go to one of your competitors? Have you got an opportunity to bring somebody in, particularly at the moment, you know, um, there have been, been a, quite a number of layoffs as you, as you know, and I think, I think, uh, uh, it's true to say that that uh, the low-hanging fruit is probably gone um, uh, for organizations that think they can hire themselves. Um, we've now got people that have started in organizations now and they're building careers. Some people have changed, changed careers completely. But there are some perfectly great candidates, um, really good candidates, that, that through no fault of their own find themselves on the open market. You know, be open to, to, to hearing about those candidates. Um, uh, you know, I, I would always say that's the, that's the key thing. That, don't think about what your gaps are now. Think about what your gaps might be and where you might have some red flags. You know, you might have some some people in in the team that aren't quite cutting it, and uh, you want to give them a bit of time. But particularly in those markets where we we talked about already, the the uh, um, the notice periods can be longer. You need to start thinking about that much earlier um, because it might be too late and you missed your bud you've you missed budget. Um, you know, when you could have done something about the problem. You know, maybe a bit earlier. Right. Right. Well, and on the other side of the table for candidates, do you have any advice for those that may not be looking now, or maybe they're looking to change and accelerate their career? Like, what, what would you suggest um, candidates and go-to-market professionals do? So you've got a, you've got some um, got an interesting time for for, for candidates. Lots of, uh, particularly in the U.S., tendency to move much quicker than much quicker than uh, uh, than in other regions, shall we say. Um, advice to the candidates might be that, uh, that don't move too early because, because, um, you know, on the client side, when they're looking at you having moved after 18 months, we know the sales cycles in this sector can be, can be quite long, especially the big deals. And especially if you're working with some of the big banks and, and, and the larger corporates where the decision-making process is much longer. If you leave after 12 months or 18 months. The perception in the market is that you haven't sold anything. So, so, so just be, just be mindful of that. Now, it may not be that. It may be that you were sold something that you thought was something it isn't. So you, you, you're having to move 
And you can do that once. I wouldn't suggest doing it two, you know, two or two or three times. Um, but generally, for the digital identity and data and insight space, um, in these t in these tough times, people reach for more data, more analytics. Uh, uh, they 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 want they want more information before they make decisions. Um, the regul the regulated markets are not going anywhere, so 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 there's great resilience within the the whole digital identity and reg tech space. So. I still think it's uh, it's one of the one of the top top areas to be in, and I would I would encourage anybody that's in the sector to stay in it, um, and uh, and considering the sector to give it a, give it a go, and then maybe get some training from you uh, you to get them up to speed on uh, on what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that, again, as you were describing um, the candidate experience, I think about my own um, when I went from a one company to another. Um, in support with working with Engage, I changed roles. So I stayed yeah. in the space, but but I tried a different role and it was one of the best decisions I've made for myself to be able to have that experience. So I think that's one that I would add in there too, is to be, be open uh, as a candidate to maybe yeah. not exactly what you've done before uh, and that's how, how yeah. you grow. Um, so it's great. I think just to, just to add to that, lots of organizations like people who've done a technical role now, um, you know, I, I'm back in, back in the days at DMB, uh, the best salespeople were the people that had actually done the business analyst type role, uh, and, and had, had actually written the reports, written the content, uh, uh assessed companies, uh, you know, created credit ratings for those businesses. And then they became salespeople. And now we're finding a trend at the moment of, uh, of, of organizations really liking the, the, the solutions consultant that can sell. Um, and, uh. That's that's not how it was when I was at Cable and Wireless, for example. You know, a, a technical a technical pre-sales person was just that, just a technical pre-sales person. But uh, but now now there's that that commercial now. That, so there is that ability to be able to be able to switch roles as well. Most definitely, and from the buying side, the practitioners, those that use some of these technologies, they're pretty savvy themselves. They they may know more of the solutions than the go-to-market professional that's coming into that organization because they yeah. have gone through all of the demo sessions and they've had multiple yeah. sales cycles with, with different companies. So it's a, a great uh, uh, point of feedback. Well, Kevin, we're almost out of time. Um, if you've seen any of these episodes, you know I like to go a little bit beyond just the business side and the LinkedIn profile. Can you share with the audience where you like to spend your time outside of work, any passions or hobbies or causes that are important to you? Yeah, I've got some, um, well, I've got, I've got three, I've got three kids. Um, so they're all, they're all girls, three beautiful girls and a, and a, a wife that I've been married to for 26 years. Um, uh, she, she says she could have been, uh, let out for murder in that period of time, <laughs> but I'm still standing. Um, and, uh, what else we've got, uh, three dogs. Um, we've got three Hungarian Vizslas. Um, so that, so we, we spend a lot of time with our, uh, walking the dogs. We, we live where we live is just. 25 miles outside of London and uh, some nice countryside here. So we love going along walks and, and enjoying the countryside. Um, I like to stay fit. Um, that's, you know, uh, I think you have to in business these days, you have to, uh, um, you have to make sure, make sure that you're fit. That's a nod to Matt, Top to Matt Thompson. Um, what, what's your, uh, your <laughs> fitness, uh, activity of choice, but beyond the walking with the dogs and uh, well, I went to the, I went to the, well, I go to the gym. I go to the, so I go to the gym most, most mornings. So, uh, so, so I, I, I tend these days because, because of my age, I, I tend to, I tend to, uh, try, just try and keep the weight off. 
Um, and uh, so I'm on the cross trainer most of the time, or I run. Uh, if I haven't got if I haven't got a, an injury injury, and as I get as I get older, you get more injuries for, for sure. Um, and uh, hobby wise, um, it's difficult. Uh, I, it's difficult for me to not say my hobby is running my business because it is. Um, I really enjoy running the business, but I do have a I do have a a side passion uh, for the Beatles. I've got I've got more Beatles books than uh, than, than most people. Most people have, uh, have have got anything else, um, you know. I've got a real passion, so I've got I've got three three Beatles books for uh, for Christmas. Um, I'm uh, working my way through, and a signed uh, signed poster of John Lennon, which uh, which I was really really happy with. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Well, we're uh, at it about time uh, to wrap up. What kind of conversations would you or your team be looking to have from the market, Kevin? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I just urge everybody to think about their plans now. You know, and if they if they if they're looking to looking to build out the teams, we'd love to we'd love to hear from uh, from from anybody that's looking to looking to do do exactly that. You know, we've got a a great network. We've got a very passionate very passionate team. Um, you know, our passion matches the passion of a lot of our clients at those early stages. You know, we we do things with do things with energy, but we do we also do things properly. So, from from a from a uh, client side, have you got the right people in your team to uh, to 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 take the organisation on the growth path you're looking for? And on the candidate side, you know, um, I would say that we're always interested in hearing from those top ten percent candidates, right? So that doesn't mean to say we're not interested in anybody else, but but we want to be seen by our clients as bringing the high quality candidates to them. Um, we know what good looks like, so uh, so if you, if anybody's looking for a uh, for for a move or uh, or they're considering entering this market, you know, get in touch. Right. And what's the best format to get in touch? Is it LinkedIn or through your website? Uh, any specific contact? You can apps? come. Yeah, you can connect me connect with me through LinkedIn or uh, or you can uh, email me directly, Kevin Crookshank at engagepsg.com uh, or go or go through go through the website. But um, we're we're quite boutique, so start with me, and I'll and I'll find the right person for. Uh, for you to connect with and, uh, and and then we can take it from there. Great. Well, I'll be sure to include uh, the email address and other links in this podcast episode. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I really, really enjoyed it. I really appreciate your support of Peak IDV and your sponsorship of season two of the podcast. And I look forward to working with you more in 2024. Thanks again. Excellent. Excellent. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you.